Ready, Peg? You're muted. You're muted. I had to unmute twice, sorry. That's good okay. evening or good afternoon. Welcome to the Syracuse, New York branch. My name is Peggy Trevison, and I will be your moderator for this lecture. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organizations. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States and in various parts of the world. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of our Syracuse branch, Dr. Patrick Trevison. In this school, we use the true, correct, original name and title of the Father, the Word, or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted with the title God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifesting in or out of the physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. And the Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8, 5, that there are Lord's many and God's many. And we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title. But unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language contain any character or letter in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of the Father and the Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, takes on shape and form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son 
a superincorporeal being. Dead is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This visionary shape and form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, the self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body and walk the earth plane as Yahshua Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. We're called divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of the most holy place, holy place, and the court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. We have 10 primary constitutional aims or objectives. They are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, compared religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern, both practical and occult science. That is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, save in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Our watch for this peace and our slogan is speak the truth. And this evening I'd like to have a prayer by Dr. Jerry Geller. That'll be followed by our scripture reading, which is Romans the 13th chapter, which will be read by Dr. Scott Miller. Our other uh, scripture reading this evening is Dr. Sharon Welch. Good evening, class. Heavenly Father Yahweh, we are so grateful that you have called us out of the world and chosen us to see and understand your great purpose, pattern, and plan. You have caused us to become sons and to 
participate and experience your great attributes and mercy and grace. We thank you so much and we thank you in advance for what you're going to feed us today because we know the great things that you have in store for them that love the truth. This we ask in the name of your son, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 Good evening, class. Tonight's scripture will be read out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trainer of the Scripture Research Association. Romans, the 13th chapter. Let every soul be subject unto the higher authorities, for there is no authority but of Yahweh. The authorities that be are ordained by Yahweh. Whosoever therefore resisteth authority, resisteth the ordinance of Yahweh, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the authority? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise for the same. For he is the minister of Yahweh to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of Yahweh, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Therefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause ye pay taxes also, for they are Yahweh's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not fear false, bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now, now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in whoredoms and debaucheries, not in strife and envy, but put ye on Yahshua the Messiah and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's Romans, the 13th chapter. Thank you both. And now for our first speaker, we'd like to hear from Dr. Tony Pregano from our Gates, New York class. Dr. Pagano? Maybe she's busy with the kids. Let's see. I guess we're not hearing from Dr. Pagano. So, um, 
Our first speaker will be from our Oceanside class, Dr. Diane Emler. I'll have to see she's available. She's laying down. She had a pretty bad headache. Hold on. Okay. Our speaker will be Dr. Deb Kennedy. Hi, everybody. Uh, Hi, Deb. Um, I, um, I like the scripture reading. Um, a lot of, lot of things in there as every scripture, but um, it was uh, making me think with the first uh, verse there, okay, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There is no power but of Yahweh Elohim. The powers, the powers that be are ordained of Yahweh. So it just made me think right away um, I don't know. I just had this, I never engage in political, uh, conversations because, um, I don't know enough about what everybody does. I only know what I like and don't like. So it kind of puts me in a weird spot. And I had this really weird conversation the other day at the fence with my aunt and my mother, and it just went really south really fast. And so I was when I, when I read this, I was just really, um, really happy because I know that the past uh, leader of the United States was put there by Yahweh, and I know the current leader of the United States was put there by Yahweh. So I really don't have to worry about things arguing and, you know, who's better and who's worse with my meager little education on it because... Yahweh has ordained the powers that be. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you really believe that in your heart and when you really trust that, um, you know, it's just so much easier. It's just so much easier. Um, yeah, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be like horrified some of the things that, that happen. But, you know, um, Dr. Kinley was saying in a transcript, like things are worse than they were at the time of Noah. And one of the reasons that it's worse is because simply there's more people on the earth plane. So it's just magnified. It's just more in number. Uh, you know, there's however many uh, the population is now. Uh, Dan Shepard used to always help me with that number. But, you know, I... It's just greater because there's just more number and the evil and the um, the horrendous things that uh, mankind will do to each other. So the only um, thing that puts the harness on us is the Holy Spirit in us. And Paul, you know, I feel like he's talking about that uh, throughout this whole little uh, segment that he's that he's dealing with. Um, if you could pick it up, uh, Scott, in seven. Romans 13 and 7. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. 
And you know, that, that seventh verse is just, it's just such a good way to uh, have things go. It, it makes you, if you, if you just follow that because it's in your heart to do it, you're never looking over your shoulder. Uh, you're never trying to cheat somebody. You're never trying to um, outdo them. You're never trying to uh, cheat the government or, you know, they were talking about this big thing on NPR tonight about, you know, the billionaires that pay almost no taxes. Uh, and then, you know, you got little me and you that, you know, really do pay a lot of money in taxes and it's just so unbalanced. And so they're trying to work work this out, but you know, somebody that's a billionaire, you know, and uh, hasn't been able to find it in his way to, uh, you know, pay taxes that he should have. They have all these loopholes and, and know what to do. But, you know, for us little Yasha ones down here, it's, you know, give, to give what is due, whether that's to your neighbor, your family, fellow Yashuans, First and foremost, Yahweh, you know, that's going to be the sacrifice always of your heart and mind. But it's it's just a nice, uh, Paul's just given you a, a nice way of looking at things. And you're just not going to have, you know, if you're not a crazy driver and you're not, you know, sending wicked hand signals to somebody, then they're, they're not going to follow you to your driveway and try to kill you. So it's just a nice way of looking at things. Uh, so he says, no, oh, no man, anything. And then he goes and talks about um, don't kill, don't steal. These were all things that were given in the law. And then he says um, to love the neighbor, love thy, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love works no ill to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, you know, that's just simply, you know, if I don't want you um committing adultery with my spouse, that I don't commit adultery with your spouse. There's just that mutual respect. There's that uh, heart that doesn't even desire that. The heart is, is always satisfied with what Yahweh has already given us. And um, we know that he, it's just like what you're talking about, what you would give others what is due. We know that what Yahweh has given us, the measure is correct. The measure is just right for us. And we can't look at somebody else's measure and want for it because it's not, it's not right in proportion for us. So uh, drop down, um, Scott, please, to uh, 11. Verse 11, that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And, oh. you know, and, and we could think, oh, it's, you know, it's never going to happen. Is it really going to happen? That kind of thing. But, you know, we're closer than we were yesterday. And it's the same way as a woman that's waiting to deliver a child. If it, you know, they get to a point where they think the baby's never going to come because they're just so tired and they're just exhausted. <laughs> and, you know, the weight of the whole thing and the anxiousness of it. And, uh, and yet the joy that's it's to come. And so Paul's, you know, trying to admonish people, you know, now is not the time to be asleep. And with us not being able to meet together and to have Zoom classes, as it was said uh, way ago, you know, 
this could be the time that people fall off because we don't know where they are in Zoom land or, or YouTube land unless they say where they are. And, you know, if they fall asleep and if we, if we get to, you know, come back together in a physical place, are they, are they asleep? Are they going to even come back? Is Yahshua going to bring them back? Mm -hmm. So Paul's saying, awake, get out of the sleep or the slumber. Our salvation's nearer than when we believed. And, you know, even if we take off the flesh ourselves, once you're out of the flesh, then, you know, that's your time of where, you know, you had to learn about Yahshua and his salvation. So the time is now to gather. And he's saying, you know, salvation is near. And that's always the message that we're talking about, you know, don't, don't let this slip. Don't let this um, get, you know, slack off or just think, oh, really? Or, or whatever you think. Um, it's always to keep this at its highest peak in excitement in your heart. So uh, read, read 12. Okay, verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Okay, so the darkness and the light, they are, they are things that actually happen in the creation. You know you, that within a 24-hour period, you have a light period and you have a dark period. But there's also a principle behind there of being in the light or in the know, in the knowledge, or having life eternal in your heart by Yahshua's revelation to you. And the darkness are the ones that will be cast off into the lake of fire. So he's, you know, he's talking about day and night, but we're also talking about a state of mind there. And let us put on the armor of light. Now, um, Sharon, if you could go over there back into Exodus, and it could be Exodus, the 14th chapter, just mm -hmm. to show you how uh, Yasha was trying to show us um, a manifestation of that light and darkness. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> what I'm looking for is the cloud where the cloud. It, was, it was light to uh, the children of Israel and it was darkness. Um, let's see. Verse 21. It was 20. Yeah. 1421. Yep. Okay, um, fourteen twenty one, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand, and on their left. Now, and just, the, just as a side note, you say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that water's divided, and I don't believe thousands of people were able to get through the Red Sea on dry ground and live. And you say, mm -hmm. I just I just don't believe that. It's, you know, it's fables and it's fairy tales, and um, I wasn't there to see it. But, you know, each and every one of us were there to see it, because that's just exactly how you come into this world, how you come through a birth canal, that first of all, guess what? That birth canal, the place where you come out wasn't there. 
until you, your mother started to go in labor. And her labor pains are what start to break down her cervix and start to open up a spot for your big head to come through that wasn't there before. So you say, oh, I don't believe this. This is stupid. This is just why I can't read the Bible and have faith in God because of stuff like this. When you actually have gone through similar experience to be born into this world, and these children are going from a confined state, they were slaves in Egypt, and now they're going up into, now see how he's got, thanks, Greg, he's got the, how the child's coming through that birth canal. See that big mm -hmm. hole that head's coming down? You don't walk around like that today. If you're a mother, you don't have that big hole. That, that thing was all created and it breaks down through labor pains and then it goes back to where it should be after the child's birth. Now, isn't that something? And that's how a son is born. And this is just exactly how the children of Israel or the son of Yahweh is going to come through a place that there was no spot before. So he's... Mm -hmm. he's I'm after another point, but it just made me, you know, remember this point that when people, they get so um, afraid to believe almost that it can't be true. And then you actually yourself, you experience a similar happening or event to get you here today to even think about that. The waters, it, uh, something parted and all of a sudden there was your head. And you're coming through, and you're going to be born. Go ahead, Sharon. Okay, um, I'm looking for where he born, but I, I was 23. And the Egyptians. I was, I was looking in the 13th chapter, Sharon, and for oh. a fire by night and the light by day. Right, that's what you wanted, right, Deb? That's what I was. What oh, I said. I, yeah, there. Are we Sorry. not going there? I thought we were. But anyways, that was a good point. <laughs> okay, grab 13, it where we need. 1321. Thank you. And, he, and Yahweh went before them by day in the pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. Okay, so, so now can I, can I say this? This is the children of Israel. And then, mm -hmm. Scott, you go back to where Sharon was in the next chapter, just to make the point about the evil ones, because they're all involved in this setting, but the children of Israel are staying in light, whether it's the 24-hour period where you got daylight or where you've got nighttime, they're still in light in the, in the day, in that day period, that 24-hour period. Okay, and he just mm -hmm. said it's a pillar of a cloud and it's a pillar of fire. Now, mm -hmm. in the same event, read that, Scott, and 23, 1423. Okay. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, Yahweh looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and okay. took off their chariot wheels, and they, and that they drove them heavily, so that the Egyptians said,
and they don't, they don't know. They're out there helter skelter. They don't know what's going on, but they seen people running through a spot and they're trying mm -hmm. to run through the same spot. It don't happen that way. And you, and if you use the, um, the, the reality of somebody having a revelation and, and telling you something because they're in the light of Yahshua's purpose and plan. And then you got somebody trying to parrot, call parrot them or trying to copy them and just charging in. It don't work. It don't happen. And you know what happened to the Egyptians? They all drowned in that sea mm -hmm. because when the last Israelite got their foot on the other side, then that water came crashing in and mm -hmm. then that pharaoh and his toast, which I have to say, there's 600 men, 600 chariots, and 600 horses. So if you got your uh, 666 there, and we know that that's a sign of the mystery of iniquity. They all drowned in that sea, and they were all in the dark of what was going on. So in the law, I'm just using a principle to show you about what Paul's talking about over in our scripture reading where he's saying the night is far spent all that time of um immaturity or all that time of darkness or all that time of uh in, you know uh wanting milk instead of meat that's all gone that's far spent go ahead and read that scott in uh 13 12 of romans romans 13 and 12 the night is far spent the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now, do you see how he's using this? An armor, something that protects, something that aids you, something that helps you, something that keeps you safe, mm -hmm. an armor of light. And, you know, we don't have um, armor as you would know it. Like, you know, we don't have... Uh, guns and we don't have weapons of warfare it says our weapons are are not carnal but we have an armor of light and if you have that armor if you have that on then there's not that's that's game over for anything you come up against you're going to be victorious you're going to be the conqueror it's just like david when he goes up against goliath he is so indignant towards him that he would say anything against the Yahweh Elohim of Israel. He is like, who is this guy? And so he goes up against him and, and he's just, he's got Yahshua in his heart and he's got the faith of the operation. And what's he do? He throws a stone and it lands in the giant's head. Now there's all kinds of stories and theories and hypotheses about how that stone sunk in his head. And, you know, I don't know if any of it is right or true. I just know this, that David's faith in the operation of Yahshua and how he saw witnesses provided to him that he was going to be okay and that Yahshua was with him, took that evil down. Took And isn't every darkness and every evil and every problem that we have, aren't they all giants? Aren't we in total darkness when we feel like we're being succumbed by something? It's like being in that court roundabout. It was dark, cloudy, stinky, odorous smoke because there was animals being burned. And it was hot in the desert. And it wasn't a really nice place. And aren't you much happier when you come into the 
holy place where there's candles and there's there's um, incense, there's angels embroidered. It's such a totally different place. And you, then you you know when you have a revelation and you come on into that most holy place. But darkness, nobody really likes being in the dark of the thing. And when you know something and you're sure of it, it's a really good feeling. And you're and you know you can go forward confidently. Uh, read thirteen, Scott. Verse thirteen. Let us walk honestly. As in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Now you see all the stuff that goes on in the dark. Um, Sharon, could I have you go over to uh, John and it's 3 and uh, 16. Mm -hmm. See all John. the stuff that, st that starts happening in the dark, Okay. The immorality, the wantonness, the envying, people, you know, the drunkenness. So go ahead, Sharon. John 3 and 16. For Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you got a principle there, darkness and light, the perish darkness, everlasting life, light. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. For Yahweh sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten son of Yahweh. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wroth in Yahweh. Now, you see where Yahshua... Where Paul's coming from is he's, you know, he's really saying in just a different way what Yahshua had said um, when he's talking about this condemnation and people coming to the light. And men loved darkness more than light, okay, or rather than light because their deeds were evil. They, they didn't have any heart that wanted a change or wanted to repent or wanted to turn around, they were in the dark and they liked it, okay? And everyone that does evil hates the light because you sure don't want your deeds to show up. You don't want to be found out. You don't want to be caught. A lot of times when people uh, say they're sorry or they're in court and or they're, you know, they've murdered somebody and they say sorry to the family, they're usually not sorry. They're usually sorry they got caught and they're sorry they're going to jail for life, but they're usually not sorry because they, like serial killers, they enjoy that. And they mm -hmm. certainly don't want their deeds to be in the light. And um, one, of the, one of the greatest examples I saw of that was way, way early on down in New York City, they had this huge power outage and um, it was like lights out in New York City. 
And uh, instead of people coming together and trying to figure out, you know, where's all the candles, where's all the generator, you know, people began going crazy, looting the stores, mm -hmm. those high-end stores and smashing windows and, you know, taking all that merchandise and looting and just handing it out and going crazy. And it was what they were doing in the dark was just manifesting what was in them. And it just, it just caused them to have this, you know, crazy reaction. And they just, they just went crazy. That it was just total lunacy. And it was because it was completely dark and they thought their deeds couldn't be seen. And how many people thought the things that they were doing before they had the Holy Spirit, the things that were against and contrary to Yahweh's spirit, how many people thought they, they were doing it in the dark? Nobody knows. I can't, nobody can find this out about me. And their deeds were evil. And then he says, but he that does truth comes to the light. It's just, it's a natural thing. It says, my sheep know my voice. It's just natural thing. Why? Because he put it in us. It's spirit bearing witness to spirit. And maybe we can get that wherever that is. I think it's in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. that may be made manifest that they are wrought in Elohim. So the people that love the light, it's because there's truth in the light. And it's just like that story about the cave. It's like, you know, they, they were having a ball trying to, you know, name the shadows and who could do it fastest and who was the best at it. And then one person gets released from his, from his chains. And guess what? It shows in the story. It's, it shows him going upstairs or coming to some kind of an elevation. And he comes out of the cave and he sees the actual sun and feels it on his face. And there's no more shadows. That's just a, a little example of us Yashuans having the Holy Spirit now. And, and what we see and feel every day, it doesn't have to be a high-end revelation every second because what he's given us, it, it satisfies us. And, and that's why we are, we're completely satisfied and fulfilling all things of that. I don't want to say for trying to fulfill the law. I don't want to get it too, too mixed up. But the thing is, when you're satisfied, then you're not coveting your neighbor and you're not stealing from him and you're not trying to get his wife and you're not trying to bear false witness. So you're for your game. You see what I'm saying? So when you're in that light, you're in that elevation and, and you feel the warmth of a revelation. So is that second Corinthians, um, Scott talking about spirit bearing witness to spirit? Um, Second Corinthians, maybe four, four. Let me say here. It's the God of this world. Romans eight sixteen. What is that? Romans, Romans eight sixteen. Romans eight sixteen. Uh, the Spirit yeah. self beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of Elmer. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of Elohim and joint heirs with the Messiah. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I mean, 
you you just can't get any greater. You just can't get any higher. Above it, it talked about the adoption, whereby we can call out to Yahshua, Abba, Father, and we know he's there. Like, you know, Mother Teresa, she, she talked from an empty, blank, dark cave all her career. And she admitted it when she was about to die, that she was talking from darkness. And here we are, our spirit, bearing witness with his spirit. What? That we're in the light, that we love truth, okay? go, And that we are the children of Yahweh. And then, here we go, if we're children, then that dovetails into being heirs. Mm-hmm. And what heirs, joint heirs with Yahshua, did any... Did anybody ever even think of that? Well, of course we are. He's the head and we're the body. He's the husband, we're the bride. Whatever is your husband's, yours. And whatever is yours is your husband's. Or with your body. Whatever is the head's is the bodies, and the bodies is the head. It's a unity. It's a unit. So we're joint heirs with Yahshua the Messiah. And I look at what he said. It's over in John 14... Um, it's 14 and hang on. You stay there, Scott. Sharon, John 14. Let's see where I am. There you may be also. Um, am I in the right spot? Um, Look, I'm not following. <laughs> oh, my God. That where I am, there you may be also. That's John 17, isn't it? John. That where it says that where I am, there you may be also. John fourteen three, it starts at. Thank you. John fourteen. 14. Okay, John fourteen and three. Uh, I'll pick it up at two. And in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Okay, so it begs the question, Sharon, where is Yahshua? In heaven. Yahshua's in heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if we're his bride, then guess what? Where is? Where do we abide? Where do we live? Our citizenship, Paul says, is yeah. in heavenly Jerusalem. We we're here now. And yeah, I went to work today and I came home and I had to have a a physical dinner and so on and so on. But you know something, I didn't have the woes and the worries that half of my friends and my coworkers did as carnal. I just didn't. So Yahshua was saying that where I am there, you may be also. And don't forget because he is the light of the world. And he can, and because he is the truth, and it says that too. Um, okay, Sharon, fifteenth mm-hmm. um, verse, verse fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, 
but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Oh, okay, now, so here's this spirit of truth. Truth is Yahshua, and Yahshua is truth, and it is dwelling in the light. It can only be, the truth can only be in the light, okay? In the mm -hmm. sense of a truth and a lie, okay? Mm -hmm. The world can't receive it. It can't see it. Mm -hmm. And I want to make the point about it's comforting to be in the truth. It's comforting to be in the light. And why, why do little kids want a nightlight on in their bedroom? Because it's a comfort. Because they're afraid of the dark. Your imagination takes off. You don't know what's in the closet and monsters under your bed and all that kind of thing. The comforter, even as adults, you've carried darkness. You've carried things you're fearful of. You've carried things that you hate about yourself, that you envy or whatever it is. And now all this stuff has been taken away and you're in the light. You're in the truth. The spirit of truth. The world can't receive it. So don't be surprised when they don't want to hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. It can't see him. It doesn't know him, but you know him. He dwells with you and he's in you. Okay. Keep mm -hmm. going on a little bit more, Sharon. Verse 18. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But you see me because I live you shall live also. Now, isn't that right? If if, you're, if your head's living, your body's living. Mm -hmm. And if your body's living, your head's living. Because that's why in the olden days, that's why they, you know, beheaded you. Because you died immediately. You don't live one without the other. See? And that's why, because I live, Yahshua being the head, you shall live, us being the body. Or Yahshua being the husband. Yahshua being our father, we being the children. Go ahead. At that day, you shall know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Now, I don't know that just, um, that's just so profound and so comforting mm -hmm. because it has taken the sky God that people had, I certainly did, has taken the sky God out and brought it right down to home, right in my soul, right in your soul. See, he's in the father, you're in him, and he's in you. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's so, it, it, there's so much confidence and so much comfort that whatever, whatever goes down in any fashion, you know, politics, economics, health, whatever goes down, you have to know that right there in that unity. And Yasha will take care of it. Now, I'm not saying I understand all manifestations. I don't. But I have to have the faith in the operation that he knows better than me. Because the last four years that we had, I did not understand that in our, in our uh, government. I did not understand that. And the next four may not be great either. I just don't know. But I know that Yahshua has got his thumb on it. And when you know somebody of great authority and great power is leading or is the captain of the ship, 
it's okay. It's going to be okay. Okay. So now, um, let me see here. I want to get down a little bit more, Sharon. 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 21. He that hath my commandments and keep them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judith saith unto him, not Ascaritus, uh, Yahweh, how it is that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world. Yahshua answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And I had her read down that whole piece because it is a comfort. It is a confidence and our hearts are assured that this is happening, that we have received of his spirit, spirit bearing witness to spirit, him being our father, us being heirs with Yahshua, the Messiah, that all things are given unto us by our father and by our husband Yahshua. You can use father, you can use husband, you can use the body and the head. All these are examples to show a unity, to show an example of something that cannot be broken, a bond that cannot be broken. He's not going to lose not one of us, okay? The comforter, Mm -hmm. we didn't know who the comforter was. We didn't know the name of the Holy Spirit before we got here. And when these things got broken down, and the more and more and more that you're used to dwelling in the light, that there's nothing else. There's there, You're not going to go backwards. You're not going to start slipping and needing, you know, some kind of a revival to get you back up. See, we're not going to slip. Once, once we've gotten ourselves... And I say ourselves, and I know it's Joshua being the revelator. And once he's gotten us into the light, there's no more going backwards. And um, it made me think of Ephesians, the first chapter where it talks about um, receiving of that purpose and plan. It's like we're in it, folks. We're in it. We're experiencing it. And we're definitely the part of the purpose and plan that Joshua designed. But... All in all, when we say we gotta or we will or we do, really what we're saying is Yahshua has fulfilled his promise to us. And and so I wanna, you know, make that clear to people so that they don't, you know, like you start your diet and exercise program and tomorrow I'm gonna get up early and I'm gonna exercise and get on the treadmill and I'm gonna I'm gonna not eat chocolate. I'm not talking about getting your Yahshua plan together because that's not it. We're excited. We're glad when we have a Zoom class or we have time to read a transcript or, you know, whatnot. But Yasha was doing the work and that's in the book as well. But anyway, in uh, 
Ephesians 1 and 9, Sharon or Scott? Ephesians 1 and 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Yahshua, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Yahshua, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession until the praise of his glory. Now see, those couple of verses there are just like a little synopsis, a summary, a little nutshell of the whole thing of what Yahshua planned to do in this purpose and plan. Another thing we knew nothing about until we got here and somebody broke that down. Dr. Kinley, you know, started showing that Yahshua had a purpose and a plan and this is how it's going to go. And having made known unto us the mystery, see, it wasn't you figuring it out. It wasn't you going to Exodus and going to Revelation and seeing it was none of that. He made known unto us the mystery of his will and his good pleasure. And that's why when you see how far above Yahweh is than us and his good pleasure is so different than our good pleasure, it just, it takes all the, all of it, uh, I don't know, the anxiety out of it. It, it, you trust it. You know it's good. You know it's right. You know it's your soul can feast on this. And he purposed it within himself. And he chose us within himself before things began. And if people don't like that, they don't like it. There's nothing you're going to do to make them like it. But I sure like it. You guys that know... The, the beauty of being predestined, you must like it. it yeah. It's it's such a confidence. It's it's such a good feeling. It's so satisfying, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And mm -hmm. then he's going to gather everybody, and we have obtained an inheritance. Now, what did Paul say over there in Romans? We're heirs with Yahshua. So look at what Yahshua was and is and has. <laughs> The Holy Spirit personified in that body is now walking around in our bodies and still doing the will of his father. See, and we were not of this world, but we find ourselves in the world. And sometimes you're, you're just a, a, com, a complexity to somebody. They're like, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand you. I don't understand Yahshua. I don't understand why you think that. See, but they... They don't understand because we're in the world, but we're not of it. And until Yahshua turns the light on for them, that's just what it is. You don't have to be mean to them or you don't have to be uppity or, you know, show malice, but that's just the way it is. 
you tell them if the name is Yahshua, but if they go Yahoo, Yahoo, like I've had said to me before, you know, I told them I would not play. If you don't understand it, that's one thing. Google it. But I would not play with that name. Um, people that have mocked that name before, they died serious deaths. And one man died drowning. And you know, when you're drowning, what happens? The last thing you're trying to do is <gasps> take a breath. And what is that breath? That's the name of Yahweh. So you, you should not play with that. You know, if you don't understand it, fine, but don't mark it. And so um, bringing, bringing this whole thing together that we're going to be, we should be to the praise of his glory. And I just want to say something about that. When a man and a woman are getting married, okay, isn't it really all about the bride? I hate to say it, but isn't it really all about the bride? Her mm -hmm. gown, her beauty, her, her this, her that. I mean, the man, he's standing up there, he's beaming. But it's all about the bride coming unto him in this unity. And that we, the bride, should be to the praise of his glory. See, the glory is going to the man. But the, the bride, it's all about her giving of herself and all that precious beauty and pearls and lace and whatnot to her husband. And the white is supposed to signify a virgin, a purity, a beauty. And I'm not going there in today's day and age about people should be virgins or whatever. What I'm talking about is that virgin heart or what we bring as chaste virgins, what Yahshua has made our hearts and where he's going to abide us. And it's somewhere in, um, I'm seeing the verse, it's somewhere in Corinthians, it talks about chaste virgins. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll just grab that real quick because it does tie in, let me see here. It's funny, I know where it is on the, oh, here we go. Okay, Second Corinthians, 11 and 1. 2 Corinthians 11 and 1. Would to Yahweh ye bear, you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste version to Yahshua, the Messiah. You, you see where, see where that's going. It's all talking about in the reality or in the spirit. See, Paul wasn't trying to give a lecture on young women to mm -hmm. be virgins or any, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not saying anything about that. Because he's talking about, he's going to espouse you, okay? He's going to make that marriage, that union with you to one husband, okay? And the one husband is Yahshua. And again, we're talking about that, that confidence of uh, being married in the sense of knowing. It sounds weird to say I'm married to God because that's what the nuns do. They wear wedding rings and they say they're married to Jesus and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. But, you know, we're in the spirit, in the reality. We are his bride. He does have a bride. And that mystery of iniquity has a bride, too. 
She's the harlot that rides on the beast. You can read all about her over there in Revelation. And that's, that's the church in Rome and all that goes with her. Okay. But we're going to be a chaste virgin. And how is that? See, because your soul, remember he said, in my father's house are many mansions. In my father's house, in the reality of the body, there's many souls. Okay. And what, what does it signify when you think of mansions? Do you think some rundown, uh, you know, ruined house that's ready to be condemned down in the south side of Syracuse City? You don't think of that. What do you think of a mansion? You think of majestic. You think of wealth, riches, beauty, uh, you know, just uh, elegance beyond compare. Those are the souls that Yahshua has put together in his house are many mansions. That's what he's put together for his bride, for his body as a chaste virgin. Now, what does chaste mean? Okay. I don't really have a dictionary, but I'm guessing it's purity. Does anybody, can anybody say what that is? Chaste? Get it. Thank you. Chase is abstaining from, well, extramarital, from all sexual intercourse. Hang on, let me get a better. Uh -huh. Yeah. Virgin. Unmarried, unwed. Hmm. Innocent. Pure. Innocent. Pure. Guiltless. Guiltless. Sinless. What is that? Sinless? Sin, sinless. <laughs> sinless. Oh my gosh. We just, <laughs> this is you without condemnation. This is Romans 8 1. There's no condemnation. Mm -hmm. Those who are right. with the Messiah. This is mm -hmm. you, a sinless virgin unto Yahshua. Now, there's no guilt in that. There's no sorrow in that. There's no looking over your shoulder or looking back or hating yourself or, or just, you know, remorse of something that you did. There's none of that. See, you're pure, you're sinless. And that's mm -hmm. the promise of the Holy Spirit in you. Um, mm -hmm. that is, uh, that's over in Hebrews. Uh, let me see here. Scott, get that Hebrews, the eighth chapter. Um, Hebrews eight and the times that we live in and the way that Dr. Kinley was able to deliver this ministry unto us is, is just priceless. It, there's just, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing more that we need. Although we enjoy reading the transcript, hearing from everybody and people bringing out different things and uh, different things you hadn't seen or thought about, just the confidence of this healthy a righteous relationship with your husband. It, it, it's just every day we can just, we can walk in that confidence and that light, but uh, start reading and that, and it talks about where we are now. Hebrews eight and six, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. 
For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. And I just want to say something about promises. When you, don't you take vows at the wedding ceremony? Don't you make promises to each other to love each other in sickness and in health and, and all that good stuff, richer or poorer? And don't you take on the, usually I'll say, don't you take on your husband's name? Haven't we taken on, we are Yashuans. And people say, what? What are you? We are Yashuans. And they can Google it. Today, it's just too easy to find this stuff out. Go ahead. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith Yahweh. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith Yahweh. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them an Elohim, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know Yahweh, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and to their sins and their iniquities while I remember no more. And that he saith, a new covenant hath he made, the first old, now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Now, do you see where he's going with that, where he's talking about taking away I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness, which we all had a whole chalkboard full of. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And David talks about that over the Psalms. Blessed is the man that Yahweh will not, I forgot the word, but he will not, like, in other words, bring back up the man's sins and the man's iniquities. Like, he, he doesn't remember it anymore. And I will remember it no more. It's like you, the slate is clean. There's no condemnation. See? And then he saith a new covenant. Then that means the, that he makes the first one old because he's saying that there's a new one. And now that which has decayed and grown old is ready to vanish away. So all that old covenant. But now wait a minute. He's talking about that being to the house of Israel. The only one we know that I know right now is Bruce that was a natural born Jew or of the house of Israel. But what's going on? Okay. Is we're not going to be forgotten Gentiles because all this we're going to be able to partake of seven years after the Jews get it. If you see the chart that's up right now and you see at the bottom, it's Edenic transgression, flood, Abrahamic promise, Mosaic law. You go past the cross, Jews, Pentecost, and then Gentiles. That Abrahamic promise is where the Gentiles are going to come in because we are not the house of Israel, right? But we are Gentiles by nature and by, you know, how we were born. I'm not a Jew of natural birth, Okay. But he's saying there's a covenant that's going to be made, and he pours it out, keeps his promise, 
and he gives it to the Jews first. And this is Yahweh's way. This is his good pleasure. This is his plan, not ours. But not to, not to think that we're left out because the promise that Abraham to Abraham was that his seed was going to be multiplied like the stars of the heavens and the sands of the seas. Okay, so here we are. Jews come in first, but seven years later, here's the Gentiles. And here's where that whole piece comes back together, where way back in the beginning, it was all separated and people were scattered and there was all kinds of crazy going on. It's in the law and the prophets of your Bible. That is not fables. That is true stuff. But all the way back, now it's coming all the way to its fulfillment. And it says in, in Galatians that that law was a schoolmaster, okay? But now let's just get that. It's Galatians 3 and 12, or 3 and 24. Um, Five minutes, Dr. Kometi. Okay, Kai, thank you. Let me see here. Galatians 3. 3 and 23, Cher. 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto the Messiah that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Keep going. For we, for ye are all the children of Yahweh by faith in Yahshua the Messiah. For as many of you as have been baptized unto the Messiah have put on the Messiah. There is therefore, I'm sorry, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Yahshua the Messiah. If ye be Yahshua's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I hope you see how that kind of en enveloped everybody um, into this new covenant. That we, there's, there's not a Jew. There's not a Greek, there's mm -hmm. not a male, there's not a female, there's not black, there's not white, there's not rich, there's not poor. You can go on and on and on. There's none of that in the spirit, see? And Dr. Kinley would say, you know, Roger Jackson, there's no Roger Jackson in heaven, that kind of thing. He would try to make a point because mm -hmm. it's the spirit, it's your soul. It's not your identity as you know it now. But we have this consciousness of soul that goes through the veil of the flesh. And, and that's what we're talking about, to either be in the lake of fire or to be in righteousness and eternal life. And he's saying, if you be in Yahshua, if you're Yahshua's, okay, after he made all that contrast, if you're mm -hmm. Yahshua's, then you're Abraham's seed. And what did we just say about Abraham's seed? See, it was Ishmael was part of that, and so was Isaac. Okay, mm -hmm. and then he brought it all back together according to the promise. And it's all summed up so nicely in Ephesians that we had it read. One, the ninth chapter talks about in heaven, talks about in earth. It talks about having the faith and the operation. All mm -hmm. those things get you to that promise. And, and that's where, like I said, our citizenship is in 
heaven. So yeah, you know, you went to work today and yeah, you drove home and yeah, you wondered if it was going to rain and yeah, you had some dinner and took out the garbage, but your citizenship, your mind right now, we're in the most holy place. And all we're waiting for is these mortal bodies to be taken off because what we have within us is what's going on. And that's, that's that Holy Spirit, that righteousness, that Yahshua the Messiah has shined in our hearts. So uh, thank you for the time. Okay. I hope somebody got something out of that. Thank you, Dr. Kamati. Our next speaker will be the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Uh, just one minute here, what happened here? Okay, I had to unmute myself here. That was thoroughly a very, very enjoyable uh, lecture that the first speaker mm -hmm. had given to us. There's so many things to work with in there, and I'm just going to try to pick up a few of them because uh, there's some very pertinent points that can be uh, really uh, current to what we're dealing with in our situation in the world right now. Now, what I want to say also about a marriage is this. You know, when you look at the uh, idea of the way a marriage happens, uh, there is an uh, engagement that takes place. It's called an engagement, when they become engaged. And the engagement simply means, the word engage means to be connected to. Now, what happens when somebody is engaged and they're given an engagement ring? In a sense, what we look at, we're looking at is that is a sanctification. Now, by that, by that I mean this, that from a natural standpoint, when a woman um, accepts a proposal of marriage and becomes engaged, she is connected now to that man. She now is, and I have to, I, I'll use a term, she's off the market. She's no longer uh, fair game for any other man to try to approach her and uh, set up a, uh, you know, a relationship with her. And her ring is signifying this, that uh, she is engaged to be married. Now, when you come into class... Yahshua has led us down there by, we've been led by the Spirit of Yahweh down to the gospel. We didn't know what we were walking into when we walked in that door. And when Yahshua was introduced to us for the first time, and I'm talking about when we first heard what this teaching was trying to get across to us, we felt a sense of, or I felt this, I'll speak for myself, that this is it. There's no place else to go. This is what I want to be engaged to for the rest of my life. This is something worth dedicating your life to and commit yourself to this spirit of Yahshua the Messiah. Now, we're coming down soon, ladies and gentlemen, to the bride being presented to the bridegroom clothed in the righteousness of the Son here at the close of this age when we take off this flesh. 
Now, what I want to specifically say is this. When Yahweh set up the covenant back there at Mount Sinai, and he brought Israel to that mountain, she was engaged to him, and it was a prearranged marriage. That marriage was not one that Yahweh was going to bring him up to that mountain and then ask him, would you people mind, uh, you know, uh, uh, allowing me to be your, your Elohim or your God, and would you mind being my, my bride? Yahweh had set that thing up back there with Abraham. And that future generation was set aside to be the bride of Yahweh Elohim there at Mount Sinai. Now when they came around that mountain and they accepted the proposal, and that is when Yahweh proposed to them to keep this covenant, which is an agreement, and they said, we will do all that thou hast asked, or I do, I accept it. Mm -hmm. They now were espoused to their creator. They were connected to him. Now Yahweh gave them commandments in the law, back there in Exodus, that they were not to intermarry with the Canaanites or any of the pagan tribes, and that they were to utterly go in there in the land of Canaan and destroy them, lest they should go after their gods, learn their customs and their ways, and then forget Yahweh. Now we know that that did happen eventually. We know that. But he set this thing up to show something. Because Yahweh kept his covenant with Israel, and he still took her back time and time again when she went up in the land of Canaan, and was committing spiritual adultery, worshiping other deities, learning forms of worship that were uh, absolutely an abomination unto Yahweh. And that bride, that bride uh, was set up back then uh, for the intent to show that there was a necessity for the true bride to be born again. Because when they gave the covenant from Mount Sinai, they gave it out of fear and not out of love. Our scripture tonight was talking about love. And it was talking about loving your neighbor. But I want to remind you that in Deuteronomy, Yahweh gave them these two commandments. He said, Thou shalt love Yahweh with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now the first covenant, the first commandment in that covenant was that they love Yahweh with all their heart. Now at Mount Sinai, they did not love Yahweh with all their heart. Let's just call it the way it is. And it wasn't in them. It wasn't in their heart to be obedient and to keep the vows that they made with Yahweh there at Mount Sinai. And we know that's a recipe for disaster just from a natural standpoint when people get married and, and love is not the basis. I'm talking true love is not the basis of the relationship. It could be attraction. It could be for any number of reasons. But love is not the foundation. If love is not the foundation, 
of the marriage. They were never married even after they took the vows. And to be honest with you, that was the problem right from the get-go, so that by the time 40 years had passed, and we're in the wilderness now, and are about to go over into the land of Canaan. Yahweh says in Deuteronomy, Oh, that there was such a heart in the people to love me. And the reason why they didn't love him is because in order to love him, he said also in Deuteronomy, to circumcise, he said, circumcise the foreskins of thy, of thy heart. And they weren't able to do that. They weren't able to go in and force, uh, 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 circumcise their foreskins. They weren't able to do it. Now, you know that when they got up to the land of Canaan in, in uh, the fifth chapter of Joshua and Gilgal, Yahshua, uh, the son of Nun, had to circumcise them there. Now, that's set up in your book for a reason. Because even though they were commanded to, for, to circumcise their, their own hearts, the reality is they couldn't do it of themselves. Let's go get that. Let's go to Deuteronomy for a minute, because I want to develop some of the things that uh, that Deb labored for. She did such a beautiful job. There's so much to, to really crack open here. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy, and I want you to go over there to Deuteronomy. I think it's in the 10th chapter or the 11th, where he tells them to circumcise their hearts. Let's see if I can find it. Let me see. If anybody can find it, he commands uh, them. Deuteronomy 16. Go ahead. You got it, Scott? Yeah, I'll pick it up in uh, 50. Only Yahweh where, where are you had a delight. Where are you reading? Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 10, and I was going to pick it up in 50. All right, go ahead. Only Yahweh had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff that. All right, now listen. Now, I I'm glad he read that first, because I want you to also uh, go right back down to the 12th verse. Uh, verse 12. Well, wait a minute. Start at 11. Start at 11. I'm sorry. Okay, 11. Uh, 10 and 11. And Yahweh said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. Now they're getting them ready to go into that land, right? That's what we're at here. That's the scenario. Now watch what he says. Read. And now Israel, what doth Yahweh they Elohim require of thee, but to fear Yahweh they Elohim, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and, and to serve Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Stop right there. Now listen. The land of Canaan is a figure of Yahshua the Messiah. I've told the story many times at other Zoom classes that Dr. Kinley once made a statement to me. We were sitting in his apartment. It was him and I there. He said, did you know that Abraham walked the length and the breadth of Canaan's land, but never once set foot in the promised land? And of course, I didn't know what he meant when he first said that. I thought, what are you talking about? I, I thought I read that, that, that Abraham walked in the promised land. He said, well, why don't you go ahead and find that for me in the scriptures and show it to me? 
So while I was looking it up, it hit me what he was talking about. That the land of Canaan is a figure of Yahshua the Messiah. And that Abraham did not dwell in Yahshua under the old covenant. It hit me. And, and I didn't even as much as get it out of my mouth that he looked at me and I looked at him and he said, now did you catch it? I said, I got it, Doc. That was before I even said a word. It just all of a sudden hit me. My head went up. Well, can I be more frank? He gave it to me. And my head went up. Now, knowing that that land of Canaan is you dwelling in Yahshua, which we know the kingdom of heaven is not meats and drinks, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important? Because, because Moses here is admonishing the people before they go into the land. This, Deuteronomy is after the 40-year period that they were in the wilderness, and so they're getting ready for Moses is going to be buried uh, or taken up Mount Nebo there and translated, and Joshua's going to take over and then take them into the land of Canaan. Now, what we realize is that the people, in order to go into the land of Canaan, in other words, in order for them to dwell in Yahshua, the promised land, then this 12th verse is crucial. Read it again, please, Scott. Okay. This is Deuteronomy 10 and 12. And now, Israel, what doth Yahweh thy Elohim require of thee but to fear Yahweh thy Elohim, to walk in all his ways, and to love him? And to serve Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now he requires you to walk in his ways. He requires you to fear his name. That means have respect unto his name. And he requires you to love him. That is a requirement in order for you to get in that land, that promised land. Now before you can do that, here's what he says. He goes down now, we just read it again in 15. Read 15 and 16 one more time, Scott. Verse 15, Only Yahweh had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even, even you above all people, as it is this day. Now listen, he chose their seed. They, it was a pre-arranged marriage. They did not choose Yahweh. Yahweh chose them before they were even born, the ones that were going into that land. And listen, he loved them before they were even born. He said, again, he said, only Yahweh had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed. Now listen, whether you realize this or not, all souls belong to Yahshua or to Yahweh Elohim. Those souls came forth out of that body that inhabited every creature. Now there were those that came out that were chosen and those that were not. Just as out of Abraham, there were those that were chosen to go through the lineage of eventually becoming the bride of Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua, and then there were other children that Abraham had that were not chosen to receive that inheritance. Now those souls that were chosen in Yahshua from the beginning 
which the Israelites are a type and a shadow and a figure of. Yahweh chose those souls because he loved their father, which is Yahshua. And we are chosen in Yahshua. Now watch what he says, 16, read. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff. Now he tells them to do that. He commands them to do that, to circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Now you know yourself, with a, when you had a carnal mind and I had a carnal mind, uh, when somebody, somebody said circumcise the foreskin of your heart, we would have looked at them and said, well, how the heck do you do that? Do I got to go in and open myself up and cut the pericardium sack away? Or what are you talking about here? Just like Nicodemus said, do I have to crawl back in my mother's womb to be born again? It's the same kind of a thing here in principle. Now go to Deuteronomy 30 and 6. Deuteronomy 30 and 6. And Yahweh thy Elohim will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed. And to love Yahweh thy Elohim with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Now watch. Watch. This is what he's reading. This is crucial. He's going to circumcise your heart. Because you are not capable of doing it. You're not capable. I'll put it like this. Dennis is not capable of cutting away Dennis. Rick is not capable of cutting away Rick. Or whoever you are, Frank. You're not capable of cutting yourself away. We all know that when we look at ourselves, sometimes a picture is just not that pretty when it comes to righteousness. It is Yahshua that will circumcise and cut away that carnal, stiff-necked, hard-headed, hard heart to cause us to love him, to cause us then to be right with him. See, so that we can love him with all of our soul that we may live. Now to show it in the type, before the second generation could go in and inherit the land and take the land, Joshua, who is Yahshua, had to circumcise there in the fifth chapter of Joshua. Let's go over to the fifth chapter of Joshua there with Gilgal and read what it says. Now, hang on, I just lost my... Uh, Okay, uh, let's see, Joshua 5, uh -huh. uh, boy, I tell you, go ahead and start reading at 1, I got a little bit Another of time one. so I can develop this. Okay, Joshua 5 and 1, and it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of the Jordan westward, and all of the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that Yahweh had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel they were worried they knew that it was coming and let me tell you this the mystery of iniquity knows his time is short he knows that his time is short and that Yahshua will be coming very soon with his mighty angels, who you will also be a part of that entourage. You're going to be translated 
and changed instantaneously from a natural with a natural body to a super incorporeal body when he appears at the end of the age, appearing with Yahshua in all his glory, with all the angels also having that same body to take care once and for all of the devil and his host. Mm -hmm. And he knows it's mm -hmm. coming. And I'm telling you, he's working hard as he can right now to make sure he destroys as many souls in the earth plane as he can to take them to the lake with him. And he and he and you are you are the trophy that if he can bring you down, that he can put you on the wall and feel he got his satisfaction because he killed one of Yashwas. But it ain't gonna happen, ladies and gentlemen. Yashwas mm -hmm. not going to allow it. And the devil is doing all that he can. And all you got to do is look in the world. You can see the mystery of iniquity is rampant. In every country, every place you look in the world, you see it. You see murder. You see hatred. You see division. You see injustice. It's all because we live in a world that is inhabited and infested with the demonic angels cast out of the angelic and Lucifer at their head. And if you can't see that, you're walking around with blinders on. Now watch. Keep reading. Verse 2. At that time, Yahweh Elohim said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Go ahead and read. And, jo and Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Okay, read. And this and this is the cause why Yahshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Go ahead. Now all, now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them... They had not circumcised. Read. But for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of Yahweh Elohim, unto whom Yahweh swore that he would not show them the land which Yahweh swore unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. Now listen, we are <clears throat> chosen in Joshua from the beginning. But when we walk in the door... When Yahweh leads us down to this gospel and we walk in the door and we're led by the Spirit of Yahweh right, right to Yahshua, no man cometh to the Son unless the Father draw him first. Now, when you're drawn and you're brought to Yahshua, when you walk in the door, you are uncircumcised. Even though you are by the purpose, you are chosen by him from the beginning. Now, you need to be circumcised before you can go over into the promised land, before we go into the next age in the body of Yahshua. He's got to circumcise us to love him with all of our heart. Mm 
That's why the bride there at the mountain didn't keep the commandments, and that's why she didn't. She displeased Yahweh continuously, and I'll use this term. That's why she committed adultery. She loved, obviously, when they went up there and started practicing those pagan customs, they loved them. They thought they were cool. They thought they were exciting. They were different, all those kind of things. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be acceptable now. We have to be circumcised by the Holy Spirit in us. We have to have things cut away from us. There has to be changes being made, and they're made incrementally with us, by the way. You don't get an instantaneous change like the founder did. What he said he got instantaneously, we're getting piecemeal. Now, how, where does the circumcision take place? We don't tell you to go down to the hospital, we're going to book an OR, and we're going to go in and start cutting things away from your heart. No, the OR is class. That's the operating room. And that's where when you come in there, we take a sharp stone, that's the preaching of the gospel, and we cut away with that stone your carnal thinking, your carnal opinions, your carnal ways because they are not they are not acceptable to Yahweh uh, Isaiah 40 get me Isaiah uh, 55 and 6 Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek ye Yahweh while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, who do you think that's talking about? We like to always think that's not talking about me. That's talking about, you know, uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. That's talking about Charles Manson or some other uh, lunatic out there that has killed people and done terrible things. We don't realize that none of us have any righteousness. We're all unrighteous. Our righteousness is as filthy ways. And we are wicked. Uh, 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 we have wicked thoughts and, you know, all kinds of things that are unacceptable to Yahweh. We don't know that when we walk in the door. You're just out to have a good time. That's all you're I'm just here to have a good time. I don't hurt no one. Well, you hurt Yahweh. You don't know it, though. So Yahweh winks at it. And here's what's going to happen. Okay, keep reading, Scott. And let him return unto Yahweh, and he will have mercy upon him. Now, he'll have mercy on us. If we return to Yahweh, and this is what, what class is doing, it's causing you to repent. A repent means to turn from. We're turning from our own ways, and we are going to, to uh, 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 manifest and, and embrace the ways of our Creator. Read. And to our Elohim, for he will abundantly pardon. He's, for, he's a forgiving and he is a merciful Elohim. See, and that's what we have to know that every one of us in the room uh, can have confidence that Yahshua is merciful and that he will forgive you. And when you make mistakes, if you repent, he's going to forgive you, ladies and gentlemen. Just stay with the program. Read. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now his ways and his thoughts are so far above us that there's a, it's an impossibility for us to acquire his ways and thoughts without help. We need help, ladies and gentlemen. We need Yahshua to circumcise our hearts and our minds, to cut away the way we think, the attitudes that we have, the dispositions that we take, uh, the theories, concepts, and opinions that we want to hang on to because, after all, every opinion I have is the truth. That's what we all think. But that's all got to be cut away. And it's got to be replaced with the thoughts of your Creator, with the ways of your Creator. And you don't know what those thoughts and ways are until you come to class and you learn by the preaching of the gospel how Yahweh does business, how he handles things, what he, the way he looks at things, the way, his, his so-called view of things. And as we start to recognize the wisdom, the intelligence, the great justice and love of what everything Yahweh has done and why he's done it, through revelation this takes place, Yahshua the Messiah is circumcising us by the preaching, the foolishness of preaching, and by revealing, by revelation of the, of, of the things of Yahweh, the spiritual things of Yahweh. That's going to start melting your heart and start cutting away all those concepts and all those hard-heartedness that we all have. And, and this is in preparation for you to be acceptable to go into the land of Canaan. Now, remember, I want you to go over now and find for me the parable about the wedding feast that Yahshua talks about. Uh, uh, Deb got me on this wedding thing, and I've been, I'm thinking about it while she's talking, and Yahshua's just showing me this thing and that and the other, and I, I, I just hope I can get this get this out with uh, all of the things that were running through my mind while she was uh, opening this up. Go ahead and go ahead and see if you can 22. find it. 22. Matthew okay. 22. Matthew 22 and 1. Um, okay. Well, no. Sorry. I can, I, I, let me see if I can find it. It's in 22. I just don't want to pick it up at one. It says there was a certain certain king or master or something that had a wedding feast. Uh, it started around 1. 22 and 1. Okay. Matthew 22 and 1, And Yahshua answered and spoke unto them again by the parable, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. Now, and I, want to say, I want to say this too, now that she just read that. I told you how this is an arranged wedding. When mm -hmm. Yahweh transmuted and formed that body of Elohim that he called his son, his son was chosen or espoused to souls that Yahweh had already chosen in him right from the beginning. So the marriage was prearranged for both the son and his bride. That's the way it worked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now watch, read. 
and set forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come on to the marriage. Mm -hmm. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. Now listen, listen, that marriage... <clears throat> That bidding to the marriage is you coming down to class and becoming engaged and espoused to Yahshua the Messiah. And the supper is the gospel that is being preached after Pentecost that was set up down mm -hmm. through the law and the prophets and now is being opened up and given freely to anybody that uh, will give an ear to hear. And so what we have mm -hmm. here is we have the analogy that these people were invited to come down for the supper. And now they're, mm -hmm. they're making excuses. And this one says that uh, he went, he says, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. Read it, six. Mm -hmm. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Mm -hmm. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and he set forth his armies and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Now that's what's coming at the end of this age to all those that obeyed not the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. That's what we read about, I think, over in the book of Thessalonians, if I'm not mistaken. Read. Mm -hmm. Verse 8. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Mm -hmm. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage mm -hmm. so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found both bad and good and the wedding was furnished with guests now he brought in bad and good <clears throat> brought them all in there right and furnished the guests read and when the king came in to see the guests he saw there a man which had not on a wedding wedding garment Mm -hmm. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a weather garment? And, and he was speechless. Uh -huh. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now listen. Where did that man, or let's put it this way, why did that man not have the proper wedding garment on? Now, these people that he invited, I think it's easy enough to draw this inference that they were people that were poor, didn't have a lot of money, they weren't prominent. Mm -hmm. Where did they get their wedding garments from that came in there? Well, that's furnished by the king. And this one man that didn't have a wedding garment, that is like those that have come into class and sat down and heard these things taught and have not adorned themselves with the words of eternal life and the uh, uh, responsibility of taking up the gospel to preach the gospel and to be a part of this great teaching. 
and they at the end of this age will not have those garments on that make them to be acceptable and therefore those that are amongst us that are not clothed in this gospel will be rejected and they'll be cast into outer darkness and as we know many are called but few are chosen now we want to recognize that being called is by the purpose and paul talks about to them that are the called according to the purpose that's in romans the eighth chapter now we're called according to the purpose but it's not enough to just be called you also have to be chosen and you have to put on those garments of beauty and glory or those wedding garments if you will have to be put on you and we are being adorned right now with knowledge and wisdom or the divine attributes and we're being clothed about in those things that we learn as they as they become our mindset as they become our heart they become our conduct the way we carry ourselves to the world as a witness for this teaching the way we act with one another the way we treat each other when people see the love of Yahshua and they see the wisdom of Yahshua being reflected off of you that's one of the garments that show that you are prepared you are pre being prepared for that uh, 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 if you will to have your place in Yahshua here at the close of this age and we need to examine our own self to see whether we are of the faith it's not enough to talk the talk we have to walk the walk also and these garments, you know, uh, can be quite elaborate. And as you realize, they're put on layer at a time. And that's what's happening when we're coming into class. Yahshua's layering upon us now it, uh, knowledge of the purpose such as I never knew when I first came into class. We have such a, uh, 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 a more profound understanding of many of the things that we first embraced when we came into class now we understand them in even more detail and understand the depths of these things as, as to the degree that we're able now in the flesh but I want to say that we are being layered about with Yahshua's great attributes his knowledge and wisdom and intelligence and his great love and love ladies and gentlemen is the uh, see, uh, love is, uh, 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 you know, the, the chief thing that covereth a multitude of sins. And we know that without us being a reflection of the divine attributes, then we really don't have it at all. If we can't reflect the divine nature, and I want you to know, I'm not saying this so you go home tonight and decide you're going to start acting like this because... Because, look, we want to pray to Yahshua and ask him to manifest a spirit through us so that we can be an acceptable minister of the gospel and a servant. We don't want to be a stumbling stone or a rock of offense to somebody so they don't come to class. And we need to understand the gift that has been given to us ladies and gentlemen and Joshua talks about the man that found a pearl of great price in the field and sold everything that he had so that he could keep it so that he could hang on to it he was willing to sacrifice everything to hang on to this and we all need 
to encourage one another because we all get tired in this fight and in this race we're in. And why do we get together on these Zoom classes instead of taking a year off and not even talking about Yahshua? Because after all, we could have easily just sat in our couches and watched TV all the time and maybe made an occasional phone call. Well, that's not what Yahshua wanted us to do. Now, he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be also. Now, listen, whether you realize that this Zoom is a gathering of souls and of brethren in Yahshua the Messiah, albeit that it is not physical, but it is an electronic, uh, if you will, cyberspace meeting, the souls that we are interacting and we are reaching out to one another you are touched by the souls of the people when they preach the gospel. It makes an impact in your heart and mind. That is your master's voice that is causing that reaction in you over cyberspace. So this excuse about not coming to class because Zoom is not a real class, I beg to differ. Let's discuss what a real class is. A real class is us being lifted up in the spirit because of the words of Yahshua the Messiah. And those words are being spoken over these airways. And I want you to know there's people around the world that are embracing them and are going to be saved in these words that maybe will never get to attend a physical class. And yet we make that, we use a, uh, uh, some carnal reason why. We don't need to come to a Zoom class. Well, you need to be sitting up under the gospel and being considering the, the, the knowledge of Yahweh day and night for you to stay vigilant. And I want you to know this. There are transcripts that we read, that we quote, that were not given in the classroom. They were given in a hotel room in a discussion. One of them is the San Luis Obispo transcript, which I was just reading, by the way. There is so much in that transcript that it is mind-blowing the things that Dr. Kinley was breaking open in that. And that wasn't in a class setting. I remember when we used to get together with Doc at a convention, people would go up and sit around, uh, you know, uh, around him. Or when, actually, I remember going to Springfield. We went right down in the basement there where his, his uh, sister uh, owned a, a, a house there in Springfield that he used to stay at with a finished-off basement, and we would sit around, and Doc would just open up this gospel and this teaching to us and answer questions, and we would sit there for hours and hours being fed. And there was no charts hanging on the wall. There was no formality that we call a class. And yet to us, that was as much of a class as the class that we get when we go to class. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't go to class. I'm only saying this is what Yahshua's provided right now for us, and we can be edified, and the brethren can be edified, by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith doesn't come by hanging the chart on the wall. You can see it right on your screen. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this. Since I've been going to these Zoom classes, I have learned about things that are on these charts that I never noticed before. I understand right. more about the charts now than I did before the Zoom happened. So I'm just going to put it to you like this. Don't be so foolish to recognize that the Holy Spirit can transcend a physical location. 
He can cause us right over the airways to be caught up. He can cause us just by the sound of his voice and his words to be lifted up in the spirit, to be edified and to be perfected and to be chastened and to be, to mm -hmm. be a chaste bride. And we come to this classroom that is provided to hear the words. That's what we come here to hear. So that we can walk away and those are resonating in our thoughts in our consciousness to keep our minds stayed on Yahshua or Yahweh Elohim. And as the scripture says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. You are still connected by the, uh, the, by the words of Yahshua over the airways. I'm talking about over the cyberspace. You are still connected in drawing nutrients and sap of the great purpose and plan of Yahweh being expressed. And do not take it lightly. Because there could come a time when we won't even have this or a physical class. And so I thank Yahshua for what he has given us. And I thank him for allowing us to continue to be grounded in the truth, to keep us unified together online, to keep our thoughts connected, and for us to hold one another's arms up because we're in the fight of our lives right now with the mystery of iniquity. And I think we all know that. And Dr. Kinley told us at the end, he said, you ought to love one another. And that love is an, a very important thing that we manifest towards one another now. Because everybody's, everybody's fighting something, I can tell you that. So I want to say this, I'm just happy and I'm just as pleased as I can be to recognize, and I have to remind myself of this when I'm feeling blue and down, that I'm chosen by Yahshua and I'm I'm chosen to be his bride. I'm so I'm so thankful for that. That Yahshua's chosen me. Because believe me, I know this about myself. I don't deserve it. I did nothing for this. And I am shocked that Yahshua's kept me around all these years. But I can tell you this, I won't let him down. I'm gonna fight this, I'm gonna finish the course, and I'm gonna do it because I know there's a crown laid up for me when I'm done. So I hope that that is your uh, motivation. I hope that keeps you coming to class. I hope you take advantage of all the myriad of speakers that are that are given over. I have learned so many things from so many different people just going to Zoom classes and listening to people share what Yashua has shown them. It's just a beautiful experience. So just wonderful. And I hope that something I said made some sense. And I hope that... Uh, you are edified, and what I'm going to do now is I'm going to turn it back to the moderator, and I thank you for the opportunity. Peace in Yahshua. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Volpe. And we'll have the doxology now to conclude our meeting. Just uh, please remember to remain muted until the recording is stopped. And now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua Messiah, sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power before all time and now and ever. Let the class say, hallelujah. Hallelujah.